This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll One morning, there was a knock at the door at the home of Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Vitebsk, one of the greatest students of the Magid of Mezrich, who, of course, was the successor of the Heidegger Baal Shem Tov. It was the police knocking on the door of Rabbi Menachem Mendel. He opens the door. Without asking any questions, the policeman simply put handcuffs on him and take him away. He didn't even get a chance to ask them what's going on. Before he knows it, he's been booked and put into a cell with other criminals. The Vitebsker Rebbe, he's looking around. Everyone there are Goyim. He's stuck in the cell with a bunch of criminals. And he had no idea what he had done in order to get arrested. And a few hours later, the police take him out of the cell. They put him down in an interrogation room. And they say to him, admit to your crimes. And the Vitebsker says, what crimes? What crime could I have possibly committed that would make you come to my house and arrest me like this? He said, don't play games with us, Rabbi. We know that you're the head of a gang of thieves. And the Rabbi said, really? And what have my thieves done? So the police said, your thieves steal money all around the area, and they bring it to you as charity, and you distribute that charity to other Jews, and they're just laundering stolen money through you? And the Videbsker says, and how do you know this? Where is your evidence? And he said, well, we have an honorable person in the community who told us, Rabbi, that you are a criminal. And as far as we're concerned, we take his word over the word of any Jew. So the Videbsker explains to them, listen, obviously the person doesn't like me, probably doesn't like Jews, whoever this so-called honorable person is. But I promise you, I didn't steal anything. And that money that Jews are giving me is not stolen money. Any stolen money is not considered tzedakah. It's money that they made with their hard-earned work. And they're giving it because it's a mitzvah, it's a commandment from God that Jews give at least 10% of their income in order to help their fellow Jews. And the police said, listen, they put a document in front of the Bitevsker. They said to him, Rabbi, just sign this and we're done. The rabbi looks at it and it says that he's admitting to all kinds of crimes that he'd never done. And he said, not interested. I'm not going to sign it. They try threatening him a little bit more. They say, Rabbi, listen, you're going to end up spending the rest of your life in prison if you don't sign this document. At least if you sign it, you'll only be in prison for 30 years. And that's better than a lifetime. And the Vitebsker said, never mind. I'm not signing any document of lies and fabrications. I'm not a criminal. I didn't steal anything. So the police pick him up and throw him back in the cell. The rabbi is sitting there in the cell trying to figure out why did Hashem send him to this place? What did he do to be put in a cell with criminals and thieves and murderers and who knows what? He couldn't figure it out. But he sees from the small window in the cell that the sun is setting and it was time to dive in the mincha prayer, the afternoon prayer. So he went to the corner and faced the wall and closed his eyes and went into deep meditation in his prayer, ignoring all the noise around him. And in his thoughts, he goes up to heaven and he asks the heavenly court, What did I do to deserve this punishment? 
And the answer he receives in his davening in his mind is soon it will be revealed to you, holy rabbi. And so the Vitebsker finishes, and when he takes three steps back from Shmonaisle, from the silent prayer, he notices one of the other prisoners was watching him. At first, he ignored the other prisoner. The next morning when he woke up, put on tefillin, this prisoner did not take his eyes off of the Rebbe. From the moment that he started davening until he finished, which was several hours later, this prisoner was fixed on the Rebbe. And Rebbe Nachemendo looks at this prisoner, who looks just like any of the other non-Jewish prisoners there in the cell. He doesn't understand what's going on. And not long after the davening, the prisoner who had been watching him comes over to the Vitebsker and he says, Rabbi, can I help you with anything? If there's anything you need, please let me help you. Here you can take my pillow. You'll be more comfortable, Rabbi. And Rebbe Nachemendo, not being such a young man, he takes the pillow and he says, thank you, my friend. And over the next few days, this prisoner did everything he could to help Rebbe Nachemendo. And so after a few days, the Vitebsker says to the prisoner, what's your story? What are you doing here? And why are you helping me all the time? You're clearly not Jewish. And the prisoner says, Rabbi, I am a Jew. My name is Nachum. And he starts crying. And he can't even get the words out. He's so emotional. He says, Rabbi, I wasn't very good in Cheder. The Malamdim were really strict with me. They would hit me and kick me out. And one day I'm walking in the street and nothing to do. A young boy, I'm only 10 or 11 years old. And this older boy, who's like 16, comes over to me and says, Hey, Jew, you want to make some money? I'm like, yeah, sure. We go and we steal some money together. He gives me a little bit, takes the rest for himself. Over the years, I became a very good thief. I would break into people's homes at night, steal everything I could find. And that's how I made my living, stealing from other people. But every night when I went to steal, I would say to Hashem, I don't want to be doing this, Hashem. I just don't know what else to do. I mean, the only skill I ever learned in life was stealing. And a man has to eat, and I've got to eat, so I'm going to steal. But eventually, I was caught. And the truth is, Rabbi, it was a bit of a relief for me. Because even though this cell is really a hellhole, at least I'm not stealing from my fellow Jews. And I did ask people in the community for help, but no one was interested in helping me. The truth is, they were happy that they didn't have to worry anymore at night, knowing that I was in prison and they wouldn't be stolen from. And so, Rabbi, I've been here for many years now. And when I saw you come in the cell, I said to myself, Hashem is finally answering my prayer. I never wanted to steal in the first place. I just couldn't figure out how to get out of it. And here, a holy rabbi like you comes into my cell. And I saw you standing there and davening. And my soul wanted to jump out of my body. I wanted to shout, I'm a Jew. But Rabbi, I don't really know anything. You know, it's been a long time since I was in Cheder. And even then, I didn't really learn very much. Rabbi, for the time that you and I are together here in the cell, can you please teach me and help me to atone for my sins and do tshuva, return to Hashem? And at that moment, the Vitebsker understood why Hashem had put him in prison, even though he was completely innocent and any suffering that he had gone through was turned upside down. Now he was joyous for being there. And he turned to Nachum. He said, apparently, this is why I'm here, my friend. I'm here to help you. You were asking Hashem for help, and he sent me to help you here in prison. And so all day long, Rabbi Nachem Mendel and Nachum would sit and learn Torah together and learn Hasidus together. And when the rabbi was finished davening in the morning, he would give his tefillin to Nachum, who would also daven. And the rabbi slowly taught him how to daven and to read the davening again. 
And he explained to him that in this world, the only choice we really have is choosing between good and evil, choosing to spend our time connecting to Kodesh, to holy things, to Hashem, or its opposite, chas v'shalom, God forbid. And when the meals came, Nachum said to the rabbi, I'm not eating any treif anymore. I see that you only eat fresh vegetables and fruits and anything that you know 100% is kosher, and I'm going to eat just like you. And for a few weeks, the two of them continued davening and eating and learning, and they became very, very close. And at one point, the Vitebsker said to Nachum, you should know that we're just at the beginning of our path of tshuva, and I promise you that with Hashem's help, we will both be released from prison. And we'll travel together to my Rebbe, the Magid Mezrich, and he will help you truly do tshuva. And while he was saying these words to Nachum, the door to the cell opened up. And one of the policemen came in and said, Rabbi, let's go. The rabbi said, what's going on? He said, what do you mean, what's going on? I tell you, let's go. Let's go. And the rabbi said, where are we going? He said, Rabbi, you've been freed. It turns out you were right. The person who we thought was a trusted and respected person in this community was actually a liar. The Jewish community came and proved that exactly what you said is the truth. And that other guy, we're not so happy with him right now. So let's go, Rabbi. Gather your things. You're out of here. And the Vitebsker says to the policeman, I'm not leaving here unless my friend Nachum comes with me. So the policeman says, Rabbi, you don't understand. You're in a prison cell right now. You don't get to say who goes and who doesn't. And in all the decades that I've been working here in this prison, I've certainly never seen somebody refuse to be released. Now do what I said, Rabbi. Get your things together, because you're leaving today. And the rabbi went and sat down on the floor, and he said, I'm not leaving until my friend Nachum leaves with me. And the policeman said, listen, he's not leaving for many, many years. So I guess you're going to sit there for a long time. And the Vitebsker says, I want to talk with the judge. I want to talk with the judge that released me, and I'll wait here as long as it takes. And it took a few days, but the Vitebsker was taken in front of the judge. The judge says, Rabbi, I don't understand what's going on. I've sentenced many people to prison. No one has ever refused to leave. Why are you refusing, Rabbi? You can't stay here. You're not a prisoner. The rabbi said, listen, I asked Hashem, why did I come to prison? And the answer was that one of the prisoners who's Jewish, whose name is Nachum, he needed somebody like me to teach him not to steal and to be an honest, moral person. And we became very close in the weeks that I've been here, and I want him to leave with me. And I'll sign a paper saying that I take full responsibility for my friend Nachum. And the judge was very impressed with the rabbi, and he said, okay, rabbi, this one's on you, but should he steal again, the two of you are going to be sentenced together, and there will be no compassion for either of you. And so they were released from prison together. And the Vitebsker takes his friend Nachum in front of the Magid of Mezrich, and after all of the learning that they had done together, and all the stories that Vitebsker told Nachum about the Magid, he had true trepidation and awe in his heart. And the moment that Nachum saw the Magid of Mesrich, he knew that he was even holier than the Vitebsker. And the Magid says to the Vitebsker, Rabbi Menachem Mendel, I have been waiting many years for this soul to come and meet me. And Nachum became a student of the Magid and continued learning with the Vitebsker for many years. And even people that had known Nachum for decades didn't even recognize him because there was a new light shining out of him. And at one point, the Magid told Nachum, I'm sending you out now on Shlichut. I'm sending you out as an emissary. And you're going to go from village to village 
and tell people that you were once a thief and you were stuck in such a dark place. And it took a holy Rebbe, the Vitebsker, to pull you out. By sharing your story of tshuva, you will help other people do tshuva. And you will go to prisons and you'll find all the Jews in the prisons and you'll help them as well. And Nachum became a traveling Magid who went from village to village and people would line up for advice and to hear his stories. And this was all thanks to the faith of the Vitebsk Rebbe, who when he was thrown into prison, did not despair. He didn't give up. He knew that he was there for a purpose, and he used his purpose to help Nachum, who eventually helped thousands of other Jews. And so you see, my sweetest friends, sometimes we end up in dark places. We end up in places in life that we didn't want to be, we don't want to be. But a person that holds on to Hashem knows that they were put there as a Yerida, L'Tzorach Aliyah, descent in order to ascent. And it could be that the difficult time that you're going through right now is only so that you can help another person in the future. I have one more story for you. This is a story that was told by Rav Shalom Shvadaron, who was known as the Magid of Jerusalem and passed away in 1997. There were parents living in Tel Aviv that had only one child, a daughter. And unfortunately, there have been very hard times for the Jews living in the land of Israel then as now. And the mother was very concerned about her daughter walking in the street or being on a bus. And so she insisted that her daughter only go to a school that was within walking distance of the house, with only a few minutes away so that the mother could pretty much watch the child as she went to school every day. And for Kita Aleph, Bet, and Gimel, first, second, and third grade, everything went well. But then the family had to move. And even though they weren't living in Bnei Brak, they moved close to Bnei Brak. The only school that was within walking distance where the mother could walk her daughter every day was a Dati school, a religious school. And the mother, understanding that a religious school doesn't fit the life of a secular Jew, she thought maybe it's not the best idea. And she and her husband didn't keep anything. They didn't keep kosher. They didn't keep Shabbos. They didn't do anything Jewish. But the mother, probably suffering PTSD and not having a definition in those days, decided it was better to send her daughter to a religious school that was nearby than a secular school where she wouldn't be able to walk her every day. And for the first few months, everything was going fine. The teachers, of course, embraced this girl, and they were very happy to have her in the school. But one Friday afternoon, the nine-year-old girl comes home and enthusiastically tells her mother how her teacher had taught the girls the blessing on candles Friday night before the Holy Shabbos. And she proudly told her mother the blessing that Hashem commanded us to light the lights of the Holy Shabbos. And she said to her mother, can we light candles this Friday night? And the mother said, well, that's very nice that your teacher taught you, but, you know, we don't light candles in this house. And the girl says, but my teacher said that every Jew lights candles for Shabbos. And we're Jewish, Ima, so we must light candles for Shabbos. And the mother didn't exactly know what to say to her daughter. She said, yeah, it's true, we don't light candles for Shabbos, but we do light them on Yom HaZikaron, a memorial day, when we remember the fallen soldiers who fought for the state of Israel. 
And the little girl looks at her mother and says, That's your answer? That we light candles on Yom HaZikaron? On Memorial Day? And she storms out of the room. The next week passes, and in school, all of the girls were excitedly telling about lighting candles for Shabbos and how excited they were to light candles the next Friday. And this little girl decided she was going to take matters into her own hands. Late Friday afternoon, just as the stores were closing, she went down to the Makolet, to the local mini-market, and asked the owner for two candles for lighting for Shabbos. And the owner says, are these for you or for your mother? Because this family had never bought anything for Shabbos before. And the girl said, yeah, it's for my mother. And the owner of the mini-market, he didn't really believe that. He thought maybe this girl had misunderstood her mother. She probably had a yard site and wanted to light yard site candles. So he gave her two yard site candles. And as the girl is walking home, she's practicing saying the bracha. And she's very excited about coming home and doing the mitzvah that's unique to Jewish women. And that evening, after the girl's father had come back home and her mother had gathered everyone for the Friday night meal, not the Shabbos meal, just a Friday night meal, they called the little girl, but she didn't answer. Both the mother and father called her again and again, she didn't answer. So they opened the door to her room. And what did they see? The girl sitting at her desk, staring at two lit yardside candles. And the mother says to her daughter, What are these candles? Before the daughter even had a chance to answer, the mother thought back to her own mother, who she remembered many years before, had lit yardside candles for her parents, who had died in the Holocaust. And she remembered the pain of her own mother, mourning the death of her parents. And this girl stands up and she sees that the parents caught her in something that was forbidden in her house. And the father is a little angry. He didn't know about the whole conversation between the daughter and the mother the week before. And he says, what is this? What is this? The girl looks at the candles and then back at her parents. And she said, One candle is for you, father, and the other is for you, mother. And now the girl meant that she wanted to share the mitzvah with her parents. She lit one candle for her father, and she lit one candle for her mother. But the parents took it in a different way. And the mother felt like the daughter was lighting a yardside candle to mourn her modern approach to Judaism, which was nothing. And the father, who did nothing as a Jew. And the parents looked at their sweet daughter, who only wanted to light candles for Shabbos, sitting in front of two yardside candles, one for father and one for mother. And that melted their hearts. And the mother said, it made me see the light, made me realize that I needed to start lighting candles for Shabbos. And from that point on, the father would bring home Shabbos candles. And the daughter and mother went to every apartment in their building and handed them out to everyone. And lighting Shabbos candles became that family's mitzvah. And of course, as you know, my sweetest friends, mitzvah goreret mitzvah, one mitzvah leads to another until eventually the family became Shomer Shabbos and Shomer Kashrus and became an inspiration for everyone who heard this story.
Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. As always, it's always such a pleasure to spend this time with you, sharing stories and bringing back to life the Hasidic Rebbe's and inspirational Jews. So I hope you continue being inspired as we come into Shabbos, that you have a beautiful Shabbos and a beautiful week. And until then, till our next stories, Zaygazun, my sweetest friends, take care of yourselves and keep lighting those candles.